This is Happiness Solved with America's Happiness Coach, Sandy Scarlatta. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode. I am so happy you're here. So before I introduce today's guest, I want to share with you my five tips to stop abandoning your goals. Here we are, January 2022. It's always the time of year where where a lot of people decide they're going to lose weight, get in shape, you know, and they set their New Year's resolutions. But did you know that studies show that by mid-February, 80% of people give up on those goals? That number is astounding. So I want to share these tips with you. And by the way, if you're listening to this later in the year, just know that you don't have to, you know, set your goals in January. You can set goals anytime during the year, and I encourage you to do so. So my first tip is to make sure that you have a detailed plan. I I like to use the acronym SMART. So you want to make sure your goals are specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, and timely. That is so, so important. So make sure you have that detailed plan. Second is get an accountability partner, especially if you are somebody that that needs to be held accountable. Most of us do. We're all human. It's okay if you need to be held accountable. Find somebody that you can trust and is going to call you out and be like, hey, you didn't check in. You didn't check in with me today. What's going on? So make sure you get that accountability partner. Third is attach your emotions to the goal. This is so important because the way that you manifest anything into your reality is the feeling that you want, the feeling that it brings. So I encourage everyone, and again, you can do this anytime throughout the year, is write yourself a letter and write the letter to your future self and date it one year from today and write the letter to yourself stating all of the amazing things that you accomplished, but more importantly, how amazing it felt. That is the key. It's the feelings that help you to achieve your goals. The feelings is what brings things into reality for you. Fourth, there's many apps out there that will help you keep on track. I use Way of Life. There's about, at the time of this recording, there's probably about five, maybe more. Um, So you can use an app that'll help you to stay on track or just simply set an alarm on your phone to remind you to take action toward whatever that goal is you're trying to achieve. Lastly, celebrate your wins. This is so important because every small step that you take toward achieving your goals needs to be celebrated. Now, the most important thing that I want to emphasize today is if you have a setback, it's okay. Please don't beat yourself up. Talk to yourself like you're speaking to a child that is upset. If you are talking to a child that is upset, you're going to be gentle. You're going to be compassionate. So please be gentle and compassionate with yourself. So thank you so much for listening. To learn more about me, go to my website at www.sandyscarlotta.com. Today's guest is Mark Haddis. Mark is going to share with us his journey from being diagnosed with bipolar disorder and told he would never be well to being able to live a life of peace, joy, and happiness and being completely medication-free. It's a really informative interview, so I hope you enjoy it. Hello, Mark. How are you doing today? Great. It's so good to be here with you. 
So great to have you, Mark. I'm so interested to hear your story and, and everything you have going on. It looks like you're very busy and you're just providing so much value to so many people's lives. So it's exciting to, to talk to you today. Thank you. As you are. Yeah, you know, we all try, right? <laughs> <laughs> we all have our little niche and, and, and things we want to put out in the world, and it's all amazing. So everybody has a story. So what is your story that got you to where you are today and offering the programs and writing the books that you've written? So uh, it's <laughs> there's a long version and a short version. So I'm going to give you the very short version, and then you can expand on it however you like. Perfect. Um, short version is uh, I became an entrepreneur at a very young age, built and sold a tech company. Um, married with five children, and after selling the company about nine months later, they ended up in the psych ward, and I was diagnosed bipolar one, and had never had any mental health issues prior to that. And it took about three years to navigate that, um, and it took really me standing up and saying, "This isn't working for me." Um, some of the traditional approaches, and I found resources that actually helped and healed the gut, got the proper nutrients, and learned a set of tools that are extraordinary and realize now that it is so important, especially as we look at what's going on in the world, that people have access to these. So we built a nonprofit to share information about resources in the mental health realm, but also build a program that can help anybody you know, get to a place where they're really in their optimal state. And I know you focus a lot on happiness, which is, is which is phenomenal, which true happiness, there's a contentment, there's just a, a, a being, a presence, right? And yes. we um, do kind of something in that order to give people these tools where some stress or some issue, some uh, hiccup in life shows up, that someone can navigate that rather than cycling and spinning around and injury really you know, themselves again and again, which is often one of the things that occurs in that old mental health realm. Right. So I'm healthy today, by the way, off all medication and very healthy. And That's amazing. Out there teaching, coaching, sharing. Well, because so many people rely on the medicine and it would be irresponsible of them just to stop taking it, right? Of course. Uh, without the medicine, they'd probably be dead. Right. Um, but uh, it has always been known that it was designed for a short-term thing. And unfortunately, it's become a chronic thing. But no, I would never advise anyone to change their medication. It's not an expertise. So you mentioned, and this kind of, I, I kind of piqued my interest, you said you healed your gut. Tell me more about that, because I used to, I used years ago, gosh, it was 10 years ago now, I used to own a cleansing center, and that's what we focused on. Um, so tell me more about that and how that may have helped you with your own recovery. So you're going to know more about the gut probably than I am, because I had um, an expert guiding me through that. But there was a psychiatrist that I found, uh, his name's Dr. Don Radin. And what Dr. Radin's protocol was is to really do tests that understood what's going on in the gut biome. And I was having a big challenge processing uh, certain proteins. And there are a number of other factors. 
And so what he did is gave a protocol that essentially, and it's, it's with a powder and stuff, so it sounds almost like scraping paint when I say it, but it's scraping the lining of the gut to let the bad bacteria in and then uh, flushing it out using a really healthy, um, powerful probiotic that was brought up after, after the cleansing part. But there's this, this stripping of the lining, get the bad bacteria in, and then heal the gut lining, and then give a really nice probiotic to, to maintain that health. And that's one of the things that I did with the gut. Interesting. So, yeah, and I'm not an expert in this in any way, shape, or form, um, but did read and understood, you know, about cleansing, you know, doing regular cleanses and whatnot. So was that, is that called the leaky gut? Because I know there's, there's a leaky gut, which, which can cause people a lot of problems. Did he mention that or? You know, it's, uh, it's very interesting because I do believe that that was part of the issue. Um, you know, when you have all that bad bacteria in it's, Essentially, the bad bacteria, think of it this way. There's these hungry little monsters in the gut, and you put food in, and the food's trying to get to where it needs to go in the body, and these hungry little monsters are saying, no, no, not quite so fast, but we're going to take it first. And that's how I recall it. I don't recall if it was exactly the same as leaky gut. Hmm. That's a, that's a good analogy because, yeah, that's what happens. And it's interesting how, you know, our diet and what's going on on the inside can affect our mental well-being. And I don't think a lot of people really pay, att pay enough attention to that. Uh, so true. And one of the interesting side notes that he was exploring at the time, I'm not sure where he landed on it because it's been many years since I talked to him, um, but he would test everyone who had bipolar to see if they had Lyme's disease. And there was about an 80% correlation. And at the time, he was speculating. He's like, you know, maybe the test isn't accurate. Maybe it's 100%. And so there's this question about whether Lyme's disease had an effect. And unfortunately, I don't know if it's the same today, but back in 2011 and 12, 13, in that time frame, uh, if you went to the hospital and had Lyme's, there wasn't a whole lot that they could do for you. Yeah, I, I am aware of that because I have a cousin that, that still suffers to this day yeah well i um, will share that he has a with this this protocol um so it doesn't i want to say this properly the lyme's disease can't live in the conditions that are in a healthy gut hmm, interesting yeah we i live on the east coast and it's a huge problem where i live because of all the deer and, uh, yeah, and, 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 but I, what I do know today, at least from what I've heard, that if, if you're diagnosed right away, then you have a good chance of, you know, not having long-term effects. Um, so they, they certainly have come a long way with that for sure. Well, that's really interesting. I'll have to look more into that. So let's go back to when you learned that you had bi bipolar. Like, what happened? What What were the things that led up to to you discovering this? Uh, so, I had no reference for for that you know, particular diagnosis outside of hearing the term and, and maybe knowing a couple people in my life that had, had had it, but no family members or anything. And so, I didn't really understand what mania and, and that um, 
experience was like. And so it wasn't something that I could recognize uh, prior to going through this. But for me, and everyone has a little bit of a different thing, my life turned from literal to metaphorical in many ways. So I had many experiences where I was hearing voices, I was talking to whether it was angels or saints or what have you, I was getting information, I was quote-unquote reading people's minds or I'd hear what their thoughts were and then they'd say it. It was really trippy. Oh, wow. <laughs> I had an experience where I um, had an injury. This was all in a week's period, by the way. I had an injury where my back muscle was pulled and felt invisible hands come and, and roll me over and feel my back and then lift me up and there was no pain after that and, and full, full mobility. Um, and those are some of the tamer things. <laughs> it, it got a little strange. Uh, all in one strange. week. Yeah, yeah, and and uh, one of the other things I don't share too often, but it certainly contributes to to the mental state I was in. Um, I hadn't um, felt hungry, and so I remember for days I was carrying an apple with me and never ate it, and and didn't have a real meal. And, but the only reference I you know can can recall to that was that. I remember bringing the apple with me on one day, and then three days later, I was still carrying the apple and had me. Wow. Didn't sleep much, so no sleep, no food is going to you know, shift um, someone's uh, experience pretty dramatically. And well, that's the mania did. part of it, right? Yes, I had, and there's hypomania, which is someone, I think it's when someone can kind of function with it, and then there's, and that's bipolar 2, I guess. Again, I'm not a doctor, but... You know, Bipolar one is kind of pretty much what you would think crazy is. You know, if you could think of what is crazy like. And that's what I write about in my book. Um, new book that just came out called Prisoner of War. I've got a few books, but this one is my first fictional book. And it takes someone through a bipolar experience without telling them it's bipolar and doing it very gently and then taking them out the other side. And, and it's all about a global mental um, health pandemic, mental illness pandemic, where there's so much drama and trauma across the globe in the year 2032, and there are two approaches. And the main character, Marcus, goes on this inner journey that really uh, navigates his situation in one way, and then there's another way that other people are using, and you can see the contrast and the difference throughout the story. Hmm, love it. It's fun. Now, when does the book come out? Uh, the book actually came out um, on audio through self kind of published on August 14th. I was in an inspired state. And, okay, I'm going to get it out, share it with some people. Uh, it'll be in print whenever the time comes to put it in print, but it's available. It's online. Uh, you can get there. If you go to Journey's Dream, which is our nonprofit, journeysdream.org, forward slash books, or just go to journeysdream.org and go to the books page. It's the first book on there. Okay. Interesting. We are going to take a quick break from today's interview because I am so excited to tell you about a new program that I've just rolled out. It includes two group coaching calls each month to help you create the lasting happiness you so desire. It's only a $50 a month investment in yourself and you are worth it. So visit www.sandyscarlotta.com slash courses to sign up. 
I hope you enjoy the rest of today's interview. All right. So when you were talking about your story, you mentioned that you took, you, you, you were able to you know, go off all of your medication, not only through, you know, the, the cleanse and, and the um, probiotics, but what else did you do to help you reach the, that point where you, you know, were completely medication free? The path within is the biggest thing I think I want to emphasize, but I'll share one of the other things from a physical standpoint I did is um, there's a protocol that Dr. Uh, William Walsh put together called orthomolecular um, nutrients therapy or something, or orthomolecular medicine. And what they do is they measure um, what's going on in the body and then give nutrients, which is stuff you can get at, you know, any, any food store. That, that has nutrients and just packages it for, for the individual. So, for example, at the time when I started, I think I was taking 8,300% of the recommended daily amount of vitamin B12, for example. And, and that was, and there's lots of different vitamins for morning and, and evening that I took. And it helped um, with seven areas that they measure. I had a few areas that were off. And most people who have a mental health challenge uh, are going to have some stuff off, whether it's depression, bipolar, schizophrenia, et cetera. But just doing that alone, um, and we've formed quite a, a good relationship you know, with uh, Dr. Albert Mensa, who, who administers uh, Dr. Walsh's protocol. And there's lots of doctors who do, but Dr. Mensa's in his team. And so I work with him, and he helped me get that proper nutrient balance. But just that alone, it leaves the person with the questions like, wait, were those real hands that healed my back? Um, did the walls actually move? Who was I actually talking to when I was hearing my voices? And so that mind navigation needs to be addressed. And what I found was that it was largely metaphorical, like I said, but felt extremely real. Like those physical things I'm telling you, like, they felt as if they happened. My memory is as if they did. Um, but what did it mean? What was going on? And so there's a big exploration, and people can go through it in any number of different venues, but we um, created a protocol that is non-therapeutic. It's for anybody. It could be somebody trying to get to the next level of performance, etc. But when someone's dealing with something that is going on in them, there's a matter of learning, and you know this, because uh, I listen to some of your work. But the first thing that we teach is to move to the breath. And when someone has something happen and they're uncomfortable, oftentimes they'll hold their breath or their breath will go shallow. So we teach people to really open and connect their breath. And the other area that we focus on is emotions, you know, to allow emotions. So many of us, and I was one of these people, they block the emotions. They don't let the anger, the fear, the sadness um, come through because they judge it or they were told it's not okay to feel that way or whatever it is. And so as children, we create this rule set that says, oh, if an authority figure tells me this and I feel this way and it's not okay, then what do you do with that? And it gets stuck. So we re-educate people on helping people open up to feel and feel fully. And when you feel in the breath, it's actually very easy 
even though it might come on very strong, if someone's breathing through it, it'll start to move and soften and gently um, shift over time. And rather than anger, fear, or sadness, or something being this pretty dramatic emotion that is just busting through, it can actually um, be very gentle. Um, and, and subtlety of noticing shifts. And so now, even though anger for me might have been explosive when I was younger and didn't have an awareness that I had an issue with it, now it comes on very gently. It's like, oh, wait, I feel angry. You know, some expectation I have isn't being met. So that's a big deal. And the third thing is to allow for things to be different than we thought they were. It's to allow for change. And so one of the big challenges people have in this realm is to hang on to a belief, an idea, or a circumstance, or a memory, and keep revisiting that, or anchoring it. And so just to move into a space in the breath as you're feeling the emotions, to really let things change and be more open to new information. Uh, it would solve probably a lot of the world's problems if we could just repeat this, repeat this, repeat this. And when we do, yeah, what we do, it, it, what activates is this inner guidance. You know, it kind of turns, starts to turn on. And as someone repeats this again and again and again and again, the repeating um, thoughts, which happens in mania, by the way, you know, recurring thoughts, they start to just gently go away. And so whether it's suicidal ideation or, you know, fear of loss or whatever it is that someone's kind of uh, dealing with, it's about having the tools to be present with the thing that's coming up rather than pushing it away, saying, oh, go away, I don't want to do that, distracting ourselves, etc. To have just these simple tools of breathe, feel, allow it to be different than it is. Maybe it didn't happen the way we actually remember it. It may have, but what if, and, and look for the good in it, look for something that um, is a strength that maybe came out of an experience or a situation rather than moving back into judgment or blame. Mm, love it. Yeah, because, you know, the thing is, is, you know, I think so often people, they make themselves wrong for those feelings, and it's part of being human, is that we're supposed to feel these things. We're supposed to. I mean, our brains are hardwired to, to look at the negative first, you know, because of, you know, flight or fight. That's in our DNA. And it's and it's okay. So I love I love the work that you're doing. That's that's really amazing. Well, and one of the things I'll share. So people who are interested in this, you know, whether they're finding um, this interesting or not, you know, is is up to them. But one of the things that might pique someone's interest in terms of doing this work, you know, making it deliberate, because everyone has something. You know, the stats in mental health say one in five are dealing with. You know, this issue. And I heard someone from Same Here Global share this that no, it's five and five. Everyone has something. Everyone has had something go on in their life where they didn't resolve it yet. Exactly. And so we, you've got, if you're listening to this, you've got something going on. And it's a matter of having the tools so that you can face it. But what is remarkable is people who make this a practice. The lights start coming, and people have called this heightened intuition, superpowers, what have you. You start to receive this guidance in your life that leads to happiness and well-being. It's extraordinary. It's so remarkable. 
And I've moved from fearing what might happen in life to just being in awe. It, I mean, I just feel this awe for life, and it's incredible. And a lot of people that I know who've done this work feel the same way on a consistent basis. And those who are new to the work start just kind of getting introduced to it. It's like, oh, wait, I want more of that. Yeah. Well, you know, we only have one life. This is it. And it goes by really, really fast. And, uh, you know, in a blink of an eye. And it's it's your choice, you know. Do you want to do you want to be on your deathbed thinking, geez, I wish I wish I hadn't spent so many negative days? Or do you want to be on your deathbed saying, you know, I lived a happy life and I, I certainly choose the latter. I'm all for happy. <laughs> and it doesn't, and, and some people can misconstrue that. It doesn't mean that we're always, you know, joyful cheerleaders out there like, oh, yeah, rocking. I mean, stuff happens. Exactly. You know? But there's a joy in knowing that I can fully feel my sadness. I can, I can fully feel, you know, frustration and recognize it's okay. Right. You know, it's part of being alive. It's part of celebrating life. And when you recognize that you're feeling angry and you're able to overcome that, celebrate it. That's a huge win for you. Mm -hmm. And get excited about it. Like, wow, that's awesome. Well, yeah, I think, I think that, you know, too many people are just, we're just so hard on ourselves and we need to lighten up. <laughs> <laughs> well, and if we could teach, these are, you know this, I mean, these are things that, um, can be taught to three year you know, these aren't, this isn't you know, magic complexity that needs to be hidden. And this would be taught at a very early, early age. And we can shift, I think, to a society where kids grow up in homes where this is the norm, where they have the tools. Right. And they can use them, practice them, to support each other rather than tear each other apart. Yeah. Which is too common today out in the world and sometimes, unfortunately, in, in some examples. Yeah, exactly. So you have other books that you've written. So talk about what else you have out there. Yeah, uh, actually, I've got a book called Awakening the Optimal Workforce coming out in 20, well, soon here in the next few months. And it's a sequel to Awakening the Optimal Leader, which is already out on Amazon. And Awakening the Optimal Workforce is pretty cool because we measure, we have a, a an assessment that measures 10 areas of well-being. And when we measure these 10 areas, we focus on three that someone can really uh, make the biggest change in their life with. And so the book is a uh, kind of a parable that takes the reader through a company that has learned and mastered these 10 areas of well-being, and each of the chapters is a character working through one of them. And so we can see what it's like when they were off, and what it's like after they worked through it and made it a strength, and so they're on. And so it helps people get the contrast of, of these areas, and so that'll be coming out soon. I'm really excited about sharing that. And then I've got a children's book called It, which is Really about, uh, you know, I mentioned it could be taught to three-year-olds, uh, but it's really geared toward, you know, four, five, six, seven-year-olds. And that book is about, you know, helping people see and trust themselves and, you know, trust the uniqueness of themselves. And, and it's a, quite a fun little um, illustrated story. 
Wow, you you've you've got a brilliant mind, I must say, and they all sound incredible. And that that children's book could probably benefit many many adults as well. It's designed. Yeah. <laughs> it's the we all have that little child in us that you know maybe didn't get the message in the way that it could have been given in an optimal state. And so one of the benefits of children's books is it does help adults. Many of them, you know, help adults kind of let go of some of the program beliefs, programming, what have you, that we had as a child that weren't helpful. Yeah, I interviewed uh, one of my first guests early on when I started recording these episodes. Um, she's a LCSW, and she recommends children's books to most of her adult patients. And I thought, that's that's brilliant because... It's just you're you're taking a, a subject and you're dumbing it down. Not not to say that it's dumb, but you know what I mean. Like you're you're making it, you know, so that a, a child could understand. And sometimes as an adult, that gets through a lot easier than big words and you know. Exactly, and the adult then has an opportunity once they learn it to teach their own child. Right? That's so right, they, and they get to learn it even more when oh, this is what this means. Right. And interact with it. All right. So talk about your programs that you offer. So we have a program. Yeah, we've got quite a few. Um, but the one I'm going to focus on here is a program called Optimal Being. It's Optimal B-E-I-N-G. And it's OptimalBeing.Live is the URL. And it's for individuals. It's for groups. Um, you know, companies kind of can bring this in. And the idea is to give people a framework of tools um, that are effective. And I first got introduced to these by Dr. Michael Rice. And Dr. Michael Rice um, has been teaching these for 50 years. Uh, he and Dr. Dan McDougall actually invented the assessment we use. Um, but it was very much um, in a language that wasn't necessarily um, uh, accessible to everybody. So we brought it forth through the Optimal Being program such that anybody of any faith background or no faith background you know, an HR professional could look at this and say, yep, we can bring this in. Um, and it really teaches those core fundamental uh, tools and then we practice because it's, it's online learning, it's, it's group interaction, uh, there's a lot of support throughout the process and there's assessments at the beginning of the end. So optimalbeam.live is, is there and journeystream.org is another access point where you can find the Beam program plus a bunch of other stuff like a podcast um, called On Your Mind with our host, Dr. Timothy Hayes. It's all some of the best of the best in, in the world of mental health. So it's every, the issue with mental health is it's kind of gotten a bad name when someone's diagnosed with something. But the opportunity we have is to realize mental health challenges, the more serious ones, I believe. And again, I'm not a practitioner. I've just lived through it. But having lived through it and then healed through it, I realized, oh, I didn't pay attention to my mental and emotional hygiene. And I was great at my physical hygiene from an outer standpoint, but I didn't pay attention to that as much either. And then I'd go out and eat whatever I wanted. So now I'm really conscious of what I put in my body, how I treat my body, and what I do with things um, that come up that disturb my peace, if you will. And the only thing to do when my stress is up is to use the tools to really get to that optimal state because in that optimal state, I'm going to receive 
the awareness and guidance of what to do in that moment that's best for me and the family and the company and whoever it is I'm, I'm responsible for in that moment. And that's true for anybody who does these tools. So we just want to share them, share them, share them, share them as much as we can. Love it. That's amazing. Great stuff you're doing, Mark. Is there anything else that you'd like to share with the audience today? I am so just thrilled to be here with you, and I appreciate you doing this because, you know, these podcasts are important, and it's important to help, you know, just these kinds of messages get out there. And I love that even though uh, there's probably some area of overlap in some of the things we do, this is a world of collaboration, and we need to shift from this whole competition mindset that's been out there that is really dividing our nation. And not competition from, you know, the sport of, let's say we're playing tennis. If we didn't have competition, we wouldn't have anyone to play against. It's the ruthlessness of the viciousness of, I'm right, you're wrong. Yeah. And we have an opportunity collectively to move into a, you know, maybe I'm wrong, maybe I'm right, but we could be collaborating and doing something together that's way more effective and more fun, candidly, than if we were to just go it alone. So I appreciate you and I appreciate what you're doing. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. No, I mean, I, I am on a mission to just get people's stories out there because people may not resonate with my story, but they resonate with yours and, and so on and so forth. And, and I, I just, I just want to help people because life is too short. So thank you, Mark, for sharing everything you did today and being so vulnerable with your message. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Sam. All right. Take care. That was such an informative interview, and I learned so many things that I didn't know or had even heard about. And I hope that you were able to take one thing that Mark talked about and apply it to your life, especially when he talks about allowing for change and feel the feelings. Really amazing. So you can check out him at markhaddis.com, and there's also information in the show notes. So thank you so much for joining me today. You can check out me at sandyscarlotta.com. My book, Happiness Solved, Climbing 100 Steps, can be found on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. And as always, I hope that you and your family stay safe and healthy and that your lives are filled with peace, joy, and happiness. Take care, everyone. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.